Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Code 8, written by Finnegar. While humans had served with distinction in the Galactic Navy as a relatively new species, this was the first time one would be taking command of a ship of the wall. As a second in command, I made sure to have all the crew that could be spared from essential duties formed and prepared to participate in the inevitability lengthy formality of the assumption of command ceremony. So, when the sentries reported that the new captain was sprinting towards the airlock and not in dress uniform, I was a bit confused. Code 8! Detach the station and let's get ready for FTL! The captain cried while charging right past the crew. I'll be in my cabin. Code 8 was only ever used to refer to existential threats to one of the Navy members' species. The crew froze for a moment as we shifted from ceremony mode to possibly shooting walls. You heard the captain, I screamed. Get to your stations now. The next few minutes were pure chaos as the ship went from a cold start to full combat readiness. From the command chair, I paged the captain's cabin. Ma'am, the ship is rigged for FTL and all stations report ready for departure. What shall I set our destination to? Please, set the ship to parking orbit and return us to standard readiness, came the response. Then make your way to my cabin. Now, truly mystified, I followed the instructions. Once in the cabin, I sat in the chair that was offered. So twelve and a half minutes for us to get alert status, the captain pointed at the timer on the wall. Any idea how we can make that faster for the next drill? Drill? I replied. You called a code 8 for a drill? Of course, she laughed. How else can I get an accurate test of the ship and crew? Besides, I got us all out of the boring ceremony. Right? I stared. It looked like serving under this first human captain in the Navy would be a very unorthodox experience. End of story. Story number two, Code 8, Part 2, written by Finnegar. My initial hunch had been correct. Serving as the second in command to the first human captain in the Galactic Navy was very unorthodox experience. After the fake Code 8 emergency alert status drill on a first day of command, my superior immediately became nicknamed Captain Code 8, and a legend had spread throughout the fleet. In the months to come, the legend would only grow. Unlike the Code H drill, the gunnery drill scheduled for Human New Year had been thoroughly planned in advance. I had not expected the morale boost that would come from the fireworks show after the weapons were reconfigured into visible spectrum and footage from the target's perspective was broadcast on every available screen in the ship. While gambling is strictly prohibited by Navy regulations, I was introduced to the concept of bragging rights as each crew section cheered on their chosen gun team. Standard orbits are used in 96.2% of Navy missions. However, I became used to the captain requesting to adjust the ship to a higher or lower orbit in order to vary the radiation levels in the wardroom. 
when I held a conference with the ship's doctor and engineer to inquire about humans' radiation tolerances and look into the possibility of adding additional shielding to that compartment, they suggested it would simply be easier just to accommodate the captain's whims. When a recalcitrant crewman was brought up on charges yet again, I immediately escalated to the level of captain's justice due to the nature of the offender. The captain dropped the charges by correctly noting that while the crewman had violated the spirit of naval regulations, there was no specific rule against bringing a non-sapient on board as a ship's mascot. She did tell him to return it to where he'd found it, however. It's my understanding that an extensive revision of the legal code is pending at this moment. The only time I seriously thought the captain had gone too far was when she arranged an impromptu engine room depressurization drill during the fleet commodore's inspection. While no atmosphere was actually vented, I'm told the scenario was otherwise very realistic. In the end, the commodore appreciated the reminder that they were overdue in exosuit training and gave the ship and crew top marks across the board. I will also say this, by the time I transferred off the ship roughly a year after the captain had come aboard, our record for reaching alert status was under 7 minutes, down from 12 and a half when she first came aboard. End of story. Story number 3. A species most vile. Written by Intellectual Golf. Noah Craxel stepped onto the stage and slowly looked across the thousands of gathered learners. Members of many species were present, and he felt justifiably proud of his status as the most renowned ancient scholar. He walked to the podium in the center of the stage and found a comfortable position to stand as he prepared to speak. He did not have to wait for the crowd to quiet. These were learners, after all, and silent respect of a knower was the norm. All who can think and know of their own existence must know of the scourge that was the ancients. Remnants of the ancients are scattered across the cosmos, and life across the universe continues to struggle even now, one thousand years after their ultimate defeat. The Federated Worlds did not wish to erase the species from existence, yet the ancients would not accept any rule except their own. They were crafted weapons capable of destruction beyond comprehension, shattered planets, and swallowed stars. The dominion of the ancients was vast. The pragmatic technological creations are still being found underground, orbiting stars, and tumbling aimlessly through the void. He waved one of his three-fingered hands, and an image was projected onto the large, blank area of wall behind him. A soft, gasping sound rushed through the audience. The Noah Graxel was not perturbed by this interruption. The image was terrifying indeed. On the wall behind the Noah Graxel was an image of a damaged ancient battleship surrounded by the detritus of battle. Clouds of gas and ice, massive pieces of shattered metal hull and support structures, random debris, and, if one looked very closely, thousands upon thousands of corpses. The ancients were an implicatable force, turning every world they could conquer into a new piece of their own war machine. Only through what some have called the nefarious means were the federated worlds able to finally turn the tide and defeat the ancients. Their immune system were discovered to have a fatal flaw, which was exploited through genetically manufactured viruses. The ancients' immune system, like all other life, attacked and consumed viral contagions. 
the genetic information of normal viruses is made a part of the immune system's arsenal, incorporating the genetic information into their own cells in order to create correctly configured immune response cells in the future. The ancients, however, developed an extremely harsh world, so they lived very rapid and aggressively energetic lives. Their physiology reflected this in many ways, but the focus I will take today is their immune systems. Unlike most other forms of life, the ancients developed in an incredibly aggressive environment, which meant that life on their planet that could reproduce faster than it does was most successful. Elsewhere in the universe, most species develop symbiotic relationships with the environment and other life forms, allowing for a much slower and more careful development. The ancients' immune systems was a single-layer system, meaning it did not have any means to confirm that the immune system itself had not been compromised. All other living beings have a multi-layered immune system that should and does inspect the larger system overall and respond to the compromised cells. Noah Graxel made a turning motion with his hand and the projection changed to a picture of a pod of missiles being loaded onto a starship missile bay. The virus our scientists created turned the ancient's immune system against them and spread like a plasma reaction in zero gravity. Within weeks of delivering the virus, the ancients' entire battle fleets were infected. But from the logs we recovered from their ships, they did not expect anything out of the ordinary. The initial symptoms reflected those of a common illness amongst the ancients, exactly as designed. And the more deadly symptoms did not present for months or years after infection. Graxel made a rotating gesture again with his hand and the projection changed to a zone of influence map of the galactic neighborhood. Three quarters of the map was washed in red, but then over the next several minutes the red tide receded and other colors blossomed in some, but not nearly all of the lost ground. The plague we inflected the ancients with crippled their military over several solar cycles and we expected that we could simply wait for them all to die. The virus did not end the war as expected. In one last terribly destructive act, the ancients destroyed hundreds of inhabited worlds. This behavior still remains a key tenant of the argument for their eradication. They would not seed ground. They would not seed up a single system, and if they were pushed back, they would destroy everything in their path of measured retreat. The ancients must have known that they were dying and that the federated worlds were responsible because within six solar cycles the first casualties from the plague they became incredibly aggressive. The federated worlds were still very confident, however, that careful herding of the ancients would see the malevolent malicious form of life die alone. The red map shrunk down to approximately 30% of its original size, with other colors representing factions of the Federated Worlds tentatively following. Then the red circle shattered and thousands of lines of red shot across the map. The red line sliced through every occupied system controlled by the Federated Worlds. The ancients had not been retreating as they moved back from the front lines and raised system after system. They'd been converting their entire species into soldiers. It is thought that quite literally the entire ancient species was involved in the effort to create a fleet that had not and never will be seen again. 
Every single space-faring vessel, and many which were not created for their purpose, was converted into troop carriers and fitted with blind jump-faster-than-light drives. When they launched their assault, the Federated Worlds were completely unprepared, because no other species had ever made itself entirely into a weapon and then launched that weapon against all other life in the universe. An ancient ship of some kind was launched at every single star system. Some carried thousands, while others carried only a few. But every ship carried ancients and one or more of their terrible bombs. Thousands of worlds were damaged in the assault, and those that survived it so mainly out of luck. The ship that was meant for the Jankredel system, our system, hit an asteroid after the blind FDL jump. The projection changed this time showing a massive asteroid cracked in half with a rather large hole through the middle. The ancient death spasm almost completely destroyed the Federated Worlds, but their rage-induced attempt to completely kill all life failed. They did not target our infrastructure well enough. They did not take our emergency reserves. They did not burn all our food-producing planets. The ancients were considered to be a terrifying enemy from a militaristic standpoint, but their strange and futile last effort failed. One of the learners stood up, and the entire crowd grasped at the impertinent interruption. Excuse me, Noah Graxel, but I feel that it is incorrect not to share the knowledge of the other reason for their final act. Noah Graxel made a slashing motion with his right hand and stared at pure contempt at the learner. There is no other knowledge of the reason for their final murderous act, learner, and I question that you were raised from listener status if you believe such words without foundation are true knowledge. The learner wilted slightly and then looked behind Graxel at the projection and found some courage. I do know that they may have had another reason for their final act. The ancients did not only target the inhabited systems, Many of the ships jumped to unknown coordinates across the stars. There is knowledge that they were most likely trying to buy time to flee so far that no one could find them and they might survive. The learner raised his own hand and pointed at the projection, and Graxel was forced to turn his head slightly to see what the impotent learner was indicating. That is an enemy our ancestors could not have won against. That is an enemy that never tired, that marched across the stars with implicatable force. That is an enemy that the Federated Worlds collapsed stars to try and destroy. That is an enemy that offered peace at the cost of meaning. That is an enemy that we taught had to be defeated through a crime against life itself. And that thing is what we should not forget. The fact that knowledge is unpalatable does not make it less true. Silence, learner! Those words have no foundation and are meaningless besides. No ancients survived the plague, so it matters not if they chose to die in the void or in battle. The plague killed them without a single exception. That species that you say should remember is gone and will be forgotten. Nothing could have survived the cancer. Graxel finished his point by also gesturing at the image of the projector. The image of a dead ancient riddled with tumors. The creature was lying on a surgery table, its false armor removed, and its strange features visible to all. Nearly devoid of hair, with the front bracing eyes and deceptively thin and small-looking mouth, and only two arms and two legs. 
The body was awfully warped with tumors everywhere in its body, and Graxel felt reassured by the image that nothing alive could survive something so vile as cancer. Two thousand years earlier, ancient Empire Core World. God damn it, Evelyn, we shouldn't be running. Those bastards offered us a treaty and poisoned our entire race. Evelyn turned to look at a dentist and smiled sadly. I know you wish to die in battle, my love. You're still the foolhardy, stubborn mate I captured all those years ago. Adamantus frowned momentarily and then saw the coy smile peeking past the sad expression on Evelyn's face. Her capricious nature could always pull him away from the dark fires of his rage. Gods be damned! I hate this. They won't even tell us where we're going. For all we know, we could be jumping into the heart of a star. Evelyn's heart sang in grief as she had to turn away from Adamantus. She had resolved to tell him after the jump that they were not jumping blind. They were one of the five targeted delivery ships, and she was the only crew member allowed to know their true purpose. The rudas of the ancients had made the battle plans, but the scientists had made the contingency survival plans. Many thousands of years before the ancients had left their home world barren and lifeless, they had murdered their own parent in an act of contrition. In the last days of the exodus, they had begun to seed another habitable planet within the system that seeds of life. Now Evelyn and the unknowing Adamantus were bound for that long-forgotten blue planet with several hundred ancient children carefully selected as diverse breeding stock. It pained Evelyn that Adamantus was being led to see only the dark, but it could not be helped. He was a soldier. If he were allowed to know the real details of their mission, he would try and raise a new army, a new species of ancients that would inherit the sins of their fathers. It was better for the universe to forget the ancients, and so she would give her people a new start. It just meant betraying everything that she loved. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.